I don't know about you, but yeah, we can applaud that. Isn't that cool? I, I love seeing those pictures. I, I love churches working together. About the churches in our community working together and groups like Young Life uh, with that awesome event. And, uh, and I love seeing our building, our facility being used. I, I think it's an awesome thing. I, I can't tell you that I can't wait until we're able to finish this over here on the other side of the wall and just continue to expand uh, our facility here at, uh, at Genesis Church on, at 1702 Pleasant Street. Uh, we're still in the permit process, and, and I think we finally have approval now from the state of Indiana, so it's back to the city of Noblesville one more time. And uh, we hope to get that cleared up in the next couple of weeks. And maybe, just maybe, uh, by the first of the year, we'll be able to start uh, over there on the other side of that wall and, and, again, expand our facility space, our ministry space here at Genesis Church. Uh, hey, it's a little quiet this morning, isn't it? Man, we need to, we need to raise the level of the coffee. Uh, you know, do something a little bit different, a little, little bit stronger blend uh, next week. But, uh, hey, this morning we're continuing in this series called The Goats. And we're talking about the third person of the Trinity. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and I want you to know right from the start that the Holy Spirit is eternally God. Uh, he is God. He is no less God. He, he is fully God. He has always been and he will always be. He, he is not one-third God but is co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. Now go all the way back to the very beginning of your Bible. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, uh, even very early on in the second verse, you can see the Holy Spirit at work. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now the Old Testament word here is for spirit is the Hebrew word ruach. It means wind or breath or a, a violent blast of air. The New Testament word for spirit uh, is the Greek word pneuma. It's where we get our word pneumatic or pneumonia. It is similar and it means current of air or blast of, of breath or a strong breeze. And so the Bible describes, the Bible uses words to describe the Holy Spirit like it is the wind of God. And, and sometimes he comes like a gentle breeze and sometimes he comes like a, a violent rushing wind. Now, last week we talked about some of the advantages of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit as guide. Uh, we talked about the Holy Spirit as our comforter. We talked about the Holy Spirit as one who convicts of sin. That The Holy Spirit is the one who equips us for the life that we're called to live in this world. If you weren't here last week, I'd invite you to pick up a copy of last week's message or go to our website and have a listen. Uh, Jesus described these as advantages of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this morning, today, I want to talk with you about the power of the Spirit. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit is evidenced all throughout Scripture. We see it uh, in the book of Genesis, that it was the power of the Spirit that equipped Joseph uh, to lead Egypt. Uh, it was the power of the Holy Spirit uh, that gave Moses the leadership abilities to lead the people out of Egypt and to the Promised Land. It, it's, the, it's the Holy Spirit that gave the prophets the power to speak prophetically over God's people. It's the Holy Spirit that, that came over King Saul. And, and Samuel, the, the priest Samuel, he said to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 6, he says, hey, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in what? Say it with me. He will come upon you in what? Power. The, the, the Holy Spirit will come in power, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. And so the Holy Spirit will come on you in power, and what will the Holy Spirit do? He will begin to change you into a different person. Now, the same Spirit seen working in the Old Testament is the same Spirit seen working in the New Testament, too. Jesus, 
was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Mary learned that she was pregnant, you know, when that little indicator showed the plus sign, you know, and she discovered that she was pregnant and realized that she was a virgin, she had a question to ask. I mean, how would I give birth to the Messiah? Well, in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross, the Bible says that the Son of God, that he was later, three days later, he was raised from the dead. By what? He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then before he ascended into heaven, he promised his disciples that he would send them a gift. You know, we talked a little bit about that last week, even before his death. He was talking about this advantage, the one who is to come. Well, right before he ascends into heaven, he's looking ahead with them once again, and ahead is much sooner than what it was before. But he says, hey, there is a gift coming. It's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. That, that the Holy Spirit, this one, the one who will come, it is an advantage to you, he will come as a gift, you know, the one that my father promised, which you heard me speak about. If you've got your Bibles today, I want to invite you to take them and turn to Acts chapter 1. Go to the New Testament and go to the middle of the New Testament to Acts chapter 1. As we've discussed before, the book of Acts is a history book. Uh, It's a history book that I recommend everyone read. It opens in Acts chapter 1 with Jesus. Uh, He's been on the earth for 40 days. Uh, After his resurrection, he's about to ascend into heaven in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit that Jesus described. And then the remaining chapters are an early history of the church. It's stories and accounts of disciples who who spread the gospel, who were empowered by the Spirit and uh, went doing uh, great things. So as you're turning to Acts chapter 1, I want to start off by asking you a question this morning. And that question is this. How many of you would say that you know someone um, who is more spiritual than you are? All right, anybody know anyone like that? Okay, somebody in your life that you think of, hey, you know, when you think about them, you just know they got it going on, you know, when it comes to Jesus or or when it comes to being filled with the Spirit. I mean, they've really got it going on. Uh, We all know someone like that, right? I I, I know people like that. I've, I've encountered people like that in my life. Well, sometimes you get to know other people, whether it be people in your family. Uh, sometimes you encounter these type of people maybe in a connection group or maybe meeting them here at church or, or meeting them from another church. But, but you see them and you get to know them, and the more that you are around them, you just believe and you realize that there is something different about their relationship. Again, they just kind of there, – there is something different about their commitment uh, and their relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and you look at them and you look at their life and you go, you know what, I'd like to be like that. Uh, I, I like what, what they have. I, I like their faith and the way that they demonstrate their faith in their life, and, and I would like that for mine too. And, and then you, you hear them pray, and you're like, wow, man, I mean, they got it going on in their prayers. you know. And so you hear them pray these prayers, and you think, wow, if I were God, I'd answer that prayer. Or, or if I needed a prayer, I'd want that person praying for me because I'm, I'm confident. Then, and you hear them quote the Bible, and you hear them talk about the Bible, and you, you watch them go through difficult times, and, and you see that, that even when they're weak, they're still strong, and, and they keep up the faith, and they keep trusting in God. And you just wonder, as you see that type of person, you think to yourself, how do they do that? I mean, how is it that they manage to live like that? Is it that they are one of God's lucky ones? You know, that he's just poured out some extra blessing on their life, that, that they are set apart for a specific reason, or that they've been given more of the Holy Spirit or something. 
Well, that's not the case. And we talked about this this past week. You know, that as followers of Jesus, we all have the same spirit of God. No more, no less. Uh, Same potential, same power for everyone. I mean, you see, it's not about getting more of the spirit in your life. It's about the spirit of God getting more of you. It's an issue of surrender. And there are people all around you, even here in this church, that are more surrendered to God right now and his power that has been made available in their life. They are more surrendered to the Holy Spirit. But that same potential is there for you. That same potential is there for me. It's kind of like this. When Jenny and I moved to Louisville back in 2005, we bought a house, a home that had been built in the 70s. And we loved the house. We loved the location. But it was in terrible need of updates. Uh, maybe you've bought a house like that before, too. And, and, I, and, and so, I mean, it looked like something straight out of the Brady Bunch and, you know, the flooring. And, and the worst thing of all was the wallpaper. All right? I, I don't know about you, but I think that people who put up wallpaper should have their hands cut off. Like, I mean, I really just think that ought to simply be the rule when it comes to wallpaper. And so we got into this house, and we were doing everything that we could to get down this wallpaper. And, I mean, it is a horrible thing. It is straight from the devil. I mean, I really do believe that wallpaper is. And, and everybody had an idea. Oh, you need to go to the store, and you need to buy this chemical, or you need to get a steamer, or, you know what, there's a, a chemical you can buy on that, in that alley, on that back street. I mean, it's illegal, but if you could get your hands on it, I mean, it's perfect. I mean, everybody's got a different idea about what you need in order to get the wallpaper down. And we didn't, some, there was some of that wallpaper we did not come down. I mean, we had, to, we had to just drywall mud right over the top of it and start over again. Uh, and so we tried everything, but it doesn't all work. And, and here's the problem with the way that we live our lives today. I, I think sometimes we get so caught up into trying everything. You know, because life is challenging and it can be difficult. And so we try this and we try that. And it's whatever it takes. And so we work harder. And so we're like, you're like, let's do this thing. You know, I'm, I'm stronger than this. I'm educated. I'm a big boy. I'm a big girl. My parents, you know, taught me to push through. I can overcome anything that comes before me. And, and we're all motivated. And, and so in your strength, you do whatever you can to battle and to fight through. And you try. And how many times do you run out of gas? I mean, how many times do you get to that point in your life where you're just like, I don't have anything else to give. There, there's nothing more that I can do. And before long, you're burned out, and then we end up flaming out. And why? Well, the problem is, what's the problem? We try to do it all on our own. It, it's about what I can muster. It's about how much I have in the tank. And, and so you're trying to do it all and all of the work of life on your own. And, and Christians are guilty of this too. Maybe even more so. We're so guilty of this. And, and we forget the promise of Jesus because the promise is that there's a solution that there is a power available to you and me, a power from heaven, and it's greater than anything that you will ever discover in this world. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God in us. It's that potential of God living inside of you. And as we discussed last week, Jesus said it is to your advantage that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But do we realize that? Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. I mean, did you catch that? You know, I I really hope that you, you catch exactly what's written here, and it's written in your notes, that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you and to me, to everyone who believes in Jesus today. 
Let me just personalize that for you so that you can understand it. It says that the same spirit that was present in Genesis chapter 1, the same spirit that worked through Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, the same spirit who empowered the prophets, the same spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit who lives inside of everyone who calls on the name of Jesus today. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the very same power of God and all of its potential living inside of you even this morning. I mean, what a gift, as Jesus talks about it. My microphone's falling apart here. What a blessing. I mean, why do we struggle and why do we fight our way through life when this power from heaven is available to each of us? Look at Acts chapter 1. Again, Jesus had already died and risen from the dead and once alive again. He spent 40 days on the earth with his disciples. He knew that it was time to ascend into heaven, and he had these final words for his disciples before he departed. He said on one occasion, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Again, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Now, now, what is this gift? It is the Holy Spirit that Jesus had been talking about. The gift is coming, the power, the counselor, the comforter, the guide. You know, Jesus spoke about him before he died. He's looking ahead that the Spirit would come from heaven. Look at verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice that Jesus said that you will be my witnesses. It's where we get our word martyr. All right, you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now notice the word power. You know, you will receive this power from heaven. It's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. It means explosive power. It's the explosive power of God coming to live in these these early disciples and these men and women. It's this power of God that lives in you and me today. There is a power present. Uh, There was a power available, going to be available to the disciples that would enable them to take the message of Jesus to the world. And this is a big deal. Because these are ordinary men. There's nothing fascinating about these guys. They, they doubted Jesus. They let him down on a number of occasions. They, they denied him, but Jesus wouldn't give up on them. And he knew that they would receive a power from heaven that would change them forever. That it would change them forever. And that's why Jesus called an advantage. Did it work? I bet it worked. Because 2,000 years later, at 9 a.m., on this November the 14th, we gather here at 1702 Pleasant Street in this warehouse for worship. Why? Because these men and eventually these women believed that the power of God was capable of doing so much more in them than they could ever possibly do on their own. You know, they surrendered their life to the presence of God and God empowered them to take the message of Jesus to their families, to their friends, to their neighbors, uh, to the entire world. And do you know what? The same spirit in them, the same spirit made available to them 2,000 years ago, that same spirit is in you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I think it's about time that we embrace that truth. You know, it's time that we quit trying to do everything on our own. In two weeks, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit uh, equips us, how uh, He empowers us, He, he gives spiritual gifts uh, to followers of Jesus, uh, to do great works, to build up the church, and, and even beyond the church. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit can give us a heart like God. Uh, that we can have the same compassion, the same heart that God has. But as we finish out this morning, I want to just identify for you quickly four things that the power of the Holy Spirit can do in your life starting today. And so if you're taking notes and you want to follow along with me, four things that the power of the Spirit can do in your life today. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit 
can give you the power to share Christ boldly. The same Spirit that empowered these disciples to share Christ boldly and with great courage, He can give you that same power and that same courage. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. The Apostle Paul's writing here. Listen to what he says. He says, hey, And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but the power of God. And so this is the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's responsible for writing half of the New Testament. Uh, he's preached a ton of sermons in his life. Uh, he's responsible for getting the gospel message uh, started to the ends of the earth. And, and there, he's done a lot of preaching. But notice that he's basically saying, hey, I'm not the best speaker in the world. All right, it doesn't come very easily for me. I'm not great with words. But yet in that admission, there is this sense of confidence. There's this humble confidence. He is confident because he knows and realizes that the Holy Spirit is in him and that the Holy Spirit is working uh, through him. And that's where his confidence comes from. And I want you to know this morning, because I just want to be able to say it with my mouth, and I, I hope that you've heard me saying this before, but I realize and I know with every bit of me that I'm not the best preacher. I really do. I'm very aware of this. And creativity does not come easily for me. Grammar uh, sometimes is good and sometimes is, is very bad. Uh, for me, sometimes I, I go back and listen to my, to, to, to my own preaching. I'll listen to it on our website or something, and I'm like, yikes. I mean, like, people actually listen to that? I mean, you know, they come back. I mean, it's a humbling thing to do something like that. You know, writing sermons is challenging for me. I, I rely on a whole bunch of people. Uh, to help me in preparation for my sermons each week. I, I am more self-conscious about my preaching than anything. The biggest, biggest critic there is. But do you know what I'm learning more and more each week? You know, as God humbles me. That, that when it comes to my preaching, and when it comes to sharing my faith, and when it comes to my life, I am, I am desperate for the Holy Spirit. I, I am desperate. I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in my preaching. And for me, it's all about surrender. It's all about being able to say, God, I need you. You know, God, I need you. There's nothing that my words can do to change a life. You know, God, take my words and by the power of the Holy Spirit, use them to change lives. You know, I, I, I know I've shared some of this with you before, but uh, just kind of in my journey with preaching, I, I remember coming across a book one time and a pastor who talked about just his challenges with preaching and how humbling it is and, and, and how tiring it can be. And so I have this quote written in my Bible, and, and I, I read it often even before I come up to preach. Uh, here's what he writes. He says, Oh, what a torment life was, but a glad day came, a day when the thought which I am trying to teach you now took possession of me, namely that when I stood up to preach, that though people saw me, that there was another whom they did not see, but who stood by my side, and that all the responsibility was upon him. I like that part. And all I had to do was get just as far back out of sight as possible and let him do the preaching. You know, the Spirit of God is that another right there. You know, I, I believe that He is in me right now. I believe that He is capable of doing so much more in me, the more that I am willing to surrender uh, to Him. You know, sometimes it can be challenging to share your faith. Sometimes it can be uh, a great challenge to be courageous in sharing the message of Christ. I remember one time uh, I was a young preacher, a uh, young pastor at this particular time, and every once in a while I'd get called upon to come to a funeral at the funeral home. Uh, for people that I didn't know. It might have been a family that had no connection at all with the church. And on one occasion, I got a call and asked if I could do this funeral. And so I hadn't met the family yet. Uh, it was a suicide uh, of a teen, and, and that's challenging no matter whether you know them or not. And so I, I remember going to the funeral home, and my practice usually was, when I didn't know the family, was to get there early and say, hey, why don't 
Why don't you just a few of the closest family members come and let's sit down together and help me get to know your son a little bit and, and talk about what, what you'd like to see happen in the funeral. Well, I noticed by the name that it was a Hispanic family. And, uh, and so when I got there and I met the mom, now typically it would be like three or four people, but because of the closeness of this family, like she brought into the room, I'm not exaggerating, there were 30 people. And there was this immediate language barrier, and they knew a lot more English than I knew Spanish, but they just all sat down in the room grieving the loss of this close family member who had committed suicide. And I'm left in this position thinking, now what? Now what do I say? You know, I mean, that happens a lot as a preacher and as a pastor. You just want to, now what? What do I do? And, and, I, and I just remember the Spirit of God working so powerfully in my life at that moment. And sometimes the Spirit of God works in such a way that He just tells you to listen. And so I asked them to just start telling stories. And they told stories, and for about an hour they told stories about this young man, and they laughed and they cried. And then I believed that God was working in me at the very end of that, and I just shared the gospel. And we just took five, ten minutes, and I just confidently shared the gospel of Jesus Christ and, uh, and prayed, and, and we were finished, and I was greeting some of the family. And I always remember this lady came up to me afterwards, and uh, she was out of town from Arizona, and she grabbed me by the arm. And she goes, I want you to know, she goes, I've been praying for my family for years. It was a way to go. She goes, I was praying that God would use you, and he did. He did. You know, the, the, the same Holy Spirit that, that can give me the power to share the message of Jesus Christ with others, he can do that for you too. And, and, and what He does for me, He can do for you in your life. Uh, he wants to give you the power to declare Christ boldly and confidently. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that, that He does? And, you know, Pay attention to how He prompts you, even this week. I mean, it'll happen to you this week if you allow Him to do it, if you stay aware to some of the conversations that you'll have. Because you'll, in be, you'll be in a conversation with someone this week, and you'll just feel this prompting in you to take the conversation to another level. You'll feel God pushing in you. You'll feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to share a little bit of your story, to tell them a little bit about what Jesus Christ has done in your life, or maybe to invite them to church or something. You know, the Holy Spirit will prompt you. Satan will distract you. He'll try and push you away from it. He'll take away your confidence, but the Holy Spirit will keep pushing. And so share your heart. You know, share your story and do it confidently. Tell them about your faith. Tell them about your church. Tell them about the hope that you have in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, He can give you just the right words. I mean, He'll give you the power and the courage. I mean, you and I have the same access, the, the access to the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And if that Spirit can raise Jesus Christ from the dead, don't you think He can give you the courage to share your faith with someone else? I mean, who is that person for you? I mean, what, who, what's the name that's coming to your mind right now? What, put a face on that name, you know, and ask the Spirit of God to give you that power to share. The second thing, another thing that the Holy Spirit can power us to do is He can give us power when we are weak. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with thrones that words cannot express. You know, some of you are here this morning, and right now you are struggling in your life. I mean, you are struggling to keep going every day. I mean, you know your story. And you know what it is that tears you down. And you're barely getting by and you're trying to do it all on your own. Look at the promise of this verse, that the Spirit of God, He is there to help us in our weakness. He is there to provide power. He is there to sustain us in challenging times. I mean, your weakness might be physical. Your weakness might be emotional. It could be spiritual. But as Christ interceded for our sins, as believers now, the Spirit of God intercedes for us in our weaknesses. You know, and at times your weaknesses will be so intense and so confusing that you don't even know what to pray for. 
I mean, have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that place where you don't know what to pray for? Well, this verse promises that the Spirit intercedes on our behalf, that He prays with groans. He prays with this language, this deep affection that only God can, know, can understand. And so you don't know the words to say, but the Holy Spirit is praying for you on your behalf. I mean, are you hearing this? I mean, does this encourage you at all? You know, runners will sometimes talk about how you, uh, if you're in a race, you've got you've to run through the wall. You know, I mean, you might be out on a 10-mile run or something, and mile 7 comes along, and it's a wall. I mean, you've got to push through the wall, because if you can push through mile 7, you know, 8 and 9 can be a little bit better for you, or you can get all the way to 10. Now, my wife talks about this. She ran cross-country and track in college, and their training was all about pushing through you know, the wall, and, and her coach was a great encourager in this, and, and she would say that she could be in a race, and with even all the crowds there and all the people cheering, you know, as she was coming down the home stretch, she could pick out the voice of her coach from the crowd. Like, she could hear, he would speak a language that was familiar to her that would encourage her and keep her going. You know, do you hear that same spirit? Do you hear the spirit of God working in your life? You know, does you allow the spirit to encourage you? I mean, when we face the wall in life, the Holy Spirit can be strong for us in ways uh, that we, we, we don't understand or, or can even imagine. Uh, Francis Chan is, is a really popular pastor and, and writer right now, and, and I've got a man crush on him, and, and there are a bunch of other people that do too. If you've ever written, read any of his books or listened to his preaching, he recently wrote this book called Forgotten God. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'd recommend it to anyone. Uh, it's a great book. It's an easy read. And he shares a story in there of one of Johnny Erickson Tata. And maybe you've heard of her before, but I wanted to share that brief story with you. He says a 1967 diving accident left uh, Johnny a quadriplegic. Lying in a hospital bed, she was filled with an overwhelming desire to end her life. The thought of spending the rest of her years paralyzed from the neck down and relying on others to care for her basic needs was staggering. But Johnny didn't end her life that day. Instead, she chose to surrender to God. Little did she know what the Spirit of God would do and how He would transform her into one of the godliest women ever to grace this earth. I don't even know where to begin with all that she's done, Chan writes. While undergoing two years of rehabilitation after the accident, she spent many hours learning to paint with a brush between her teeth. Her detailed paintings and printings are now highly sought after. Her international best-selling autobiography, Johnny, was later made into a full-length feature film. She founded Johnny and Friends in 1979 to increase Christian ministry to the disabled community throughout the world. Uh, the organization led to the establishment in 2007 of the Johnny and Friends International Disability Center, which currently impacts thousands of families around the globe. Uh, over the course of each week, more than a million people listen to her daily radio program. Uh, the organization she started serves hundreds of special needs families, uh, through family retreats across the nation, through Wheels for the World, wheelchairs are collected nationwide, refurbished by inmates in several correctional facilities, and then shipped and donated to developing nations where, whenever possible, physical therapists fit each chair to a disabled child or adult who is in need. Get this, as of 2008, Wheels for the World had cumulatively distributed 52,000 wheelchairs to over 102 countries. Johnny Erickson Tata was appointed to the Disability Advisory Committee of the U.S. State Department. She's worked with Dr. Condoleezza Rice. She's appeared on Larry King Live twice. Uh, Francis Chan closes with this. He says, Yet it is not because of these accomplishments that I consider her the most spirit-filled person I know. Actually, it has nothing to do with what she's accomplished, 
It has to do with the fact that you can't spend 10 minutes with Johnny before she breaks out in song, quotes, scripture, or shares a touching and timely word of encouragement. I have never seen the fruit of the Spirit more obviously displayed in a person's life as when I am with Johnny. I can't seem to have a conversation with her without shedding tears. It's because Johnny is a person whose life at every level gives evidence of the Spirit's work in and through her. The Bible promises that the Spirit of God can give you power when you are weak. Now, you may be a parent wondering, what in the world am I going to do with these kids right now? I want you to know this morning that the Spirit of God, He can give you that power. He can give you that strength. He can give you that wisdom. Uh, Maybe you've got a presentation coming up this week at school or, or with your job, and you hate speaking in front of people. You know that the Spirit of God, He can give your power. He can be your strength to get through that. You know, maybe there's sin in your life, you know, sin that you're trying to find victory over. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead can give you the power and lead you to victory. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, again, Paul writes, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And don't miss this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Because Christ is in me. You know, the Holy Spirit will give you power when you're weak. The third thing is this, the Holy Spirit will give you power to have hope in a hopeless world. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we know, we all realize that it's in times like these that people are really at a loss for hope. And I don't know about you, but it just seems like the news continues to get worse and worse. I mean, I I hear more and more about disasters, natural disasters around the world. There's fears of terrorism and bad news in the economies and stories of murder and suicide. I mean, you know people. I mean, you live in the real world. You know what people are going through right now, and maybe even even it's you. And it's kind of like for most people that if this bottle of water represents hope, that this is about as much hope as people can hang on to right now. This is all that they are capable of, as much as this bottle would hold for us. You know, when we put our hope in anything but God, you know, we have limited hope. If you put your hope in people, your hope is limited because at some point they will let you down and your hope will fail. Uh, If you put your hope in circumstances, well, circumstances change. And if you put your hope in circumstances, when things change, your hope will fail. But when you put your hope in God, when you put your hope in God, as this verse reminds us, God can allow hope to overflow in your life. If you come in here this morning and you're afraid, I want you to know that you don't have to be afraid because you can find hope in God. Uh, If you come in here this morning and you're anxious, I want you to know that you don't have to be anxious because you can put your hope in God. If you come in here this morning and you've just discovered that someone that you love is sick, I want you to know that you can put your hope in God and that the Holy Spirit can be the great healer in your life. I mean, if you are worried, put your hope in God and let the Spirit comfort you. I mean, those who hope in anything but God have limited hope. But again, the promise of Romans fifteen thirteen is may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. And what happens as you trust in Him? You may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. I mean, if, if you are hurting today, I, I encourage you to make this your verse. You know, write it down. Put it somewhere where you see it and you see it often. Memorize it. 
And you can have hope in this world if you'll put your hope in God. And the last thing is this, that the Holy Spirit will give you the power to experience the fullness of God. Now, what does this mean? And what does it mean to experience the fullness of God? Well, here's what I think it comes down to. You see, I think there's a problem in the church today, in many churches, in Christians' lives, and and even right here at Genesis Church. And that problem is that we are so guilty sometimes of reducing Christianity to its very lowest common denominator. I mean, Christians aren't the only ones guilty for this. Pastors are. I've been guilty of this too. That we're guilty at times of communicating the wrong message about Jesus. We've led people to believe that it's about, you know, checking a box or something or, or making sure that you've got good attendance and, and maybe getting them baptized and then just get on with your life. And, and, and the way that it works out for so many is, is that I've got my life on Sunday and I've got my life the other six days of the week. And if I can just kind of keep those two moving and don't let them get too mixed up with one another, then everything's okay. Then that's just about perfect for you and, and for so many But where does that get us? I mean, where has that gotten you? Where will that get you in the future? I mean, when we look, when you look at the lives of Christians today, I mean, we just see so many things in Christians' lives that are no different than anything else in the rest of the world. I mean, there's Christians hurting and and Christians addicting and and Christians drowning in worry and Christians broke and and struggling marriages and lack of faith and no hope for victory. And, And the problem is that I don't believe we're aware of the power that's been made available to us, that we're not desperate for the power of Jesus. And I just think that too many of us have lost sight of the power of God. You know, we've lost sight of the fact that He is present in your life, that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that God lives in you, and that that power available in you can give you uh, the ability to experience the fullness of God. And I'll close with this, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Paul says, "I, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That He is there, that He is continuously present, that He doesn't go away. And and I pray that you, being rooted and established, you know, listen to those words, rooted and established, that you may have power together with all the saints to what, what can we always go back to? To grasp how wide and how long and how deep and high is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. I mean, if you have ever wondered that there's more to life than just going to church, I want you to know that the answer is yes. There is more to Christianity than going to church. The answer to Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that I am simply tired of talking about God and just kind of doing this God thing. But I want to see Him working in my life and see Him working in your life and continued working in in Genesis Church and around the world because there is more. We can experience more. And the Holy Spirit can give us the power and take us to that place. I just, I refuse to live in this place where I am right now. Now, don't get me wrong. God has done a lot of great things in my life, and I am grateful for it. But I'm crazy enough to believe, and I know that some of you may believe, that there, there is more. That, that God can do even more. That there is more of the Spirit and more of God than any of us is experiencing right now. And I just want you to know this morning that I refuse to settle with where I am. And I am placing my hope with where God can take me in my life and in my faith. And I hope you feel the same about yours. Let's pray. God, as we begin in prayer this morning, I want to know, I want to believe with all my heart, God, that you are capable of doing a a work uh, that we could never measure. 
And for those here this morning that are listening, God, I want to know how many of you refuse to stay where you are. How many of you want to experience more of God in your life today? So, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray, would you fill us with your presence this morning? Uh, Would you move freely in this place? Would you empower us to live our lives for you? Help us overcome our tendencies and our unwillingness to surrender to you. And if that's you, and if I'm speaking your language this morning, and you just refuse to settle. I mean, some are here this morning, and they are recognizing this power from heaven. They believe it's real, and they want it in their lives. You know, if you're listening, you can pray this prayer this morning. Holy Spirit, take all of me. Fill me. Give me everything God wants me to have. I am hungry. I want the Spirit to take more of me. If that's you, if that's where you are this morning and you refuse to remain where you are, you want God to have more, you want more of His power in your life, just just raise your hand wherever you are right now just to acknowledge it, saying, I want more of God. I want more of God today. I need more of Him in my life. God, I thank you. I, I thank you for these hands and for these commitments today. God, give them the power, even at this moment. Let them experience more of you because we refuse to remain at this place. We want more of you, God. And God, I pray for those here this morning who are desperate for your power in their life. They need it. They want to see it. Right now, there's a friend or a family member who doesn't know Christ. God, would you give them the power to be used by you? I, I pray for those who are here today and they are weak. God, would you give them the power to be strong? I pray for those who are at the end of the line on hope. God, they are desperate. And this morning they are realizing that they are desperate for you. God, would you allow their life to overflow with hope today? And God, I pray for those here this morning that don't know where to turn. I pray for our friends who have come, those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And with every head bowed right now and every eye closed, I mean, if that's you and maybe today you're realizing that you're missing something in your life. And maybe you've known it for a while, and maybe you're realizing it this morning, but God is doing something in your life today, and you don't know how to explain it. Know this. Our God wants to have a relationship with you. He is drawing you to Himself right now. He he sent Jesus Christ to this world to die for your sins, and the Holy Spirit is waiting as a gift to you to take your life. And if you realize this, then please know that the Holy Spirit is inviting you right now and you can call on the name of Jesus and be changed forever. He, he doesn't require your perfection. It's not something you can earn. It, doesn't begin, it, it begins with surrender. And if you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life this morning and you've never done that before, just wherever you are right now as a way of acknowledging that, just slip your hand up. No one else is looking around. You're just saying with your life, I want to invite Jesus Christ to be my Savior today. I need Him. I want Him and desire Him. If that's you, just raise your hand up wherever you are, and I'm going to invite you to pray a prayer with me. You can pray this prayer, whoever you are this morning. Don't be ashamed. Just pray this. God in heaven, take all of my life. Save me from my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me and rose again so that I could have life. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new. Take all of me today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, will you stand?